and welcome to the March 19th, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Smiles politely back at you. You stare politely right on through. Some sort of window to your right. Hello, everybody, and again, welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It's great to have everybody with me tonight. And of course, I'm hoping that everybody is happy to be here as well. And uh, so here we are. Uh, another. Uh, Another day and another another feeling has emerged, I guess you could say. And it's certainly a feeling that I am all too familiar with. And there is a reason as to why I feel this way. Not that I'd like to make excuses in this podcast, but I have no choice but to go into a little bit of a story as to why I am feeling like this. Now, uh, one of the things that I've, I've noticed is that stress can do an absolute number on me. And for those of you who have bipolar disorder, you would probably tend to agree with me. You know, we do not handle stress in a very positive manner. We catastrophize, catastrophize everything. Everything to us is a catastrophe. I don't even know if I used that word correctly. So I'll just, I'll, I'll eliminate that first way that I said it, and I'll just say it straight up. Everything that happens to us is a catastrophe. Um, and, and we usually look for the worst in things, and we predict what's going to happen, and usually the end result is not a good one, and then we're pleasantly surprised when something good comes out of it. And then every once in a while, there are things that just happen. They straight up happen, that leave us very little room to predict, very little room to make it into something that it might not be, because it is at face value what it is, and it stresses us out, and it causes us either a great deal of pain, a great deal of hurt, uh, or in this case, and here is the new feeling that I've had, that I haven't had in a long time, a great amount of anger and I have to say based on things that transpired yesterday in my life while I dealt with the immediate uh, effects of the stress in the moment I dealt with it in actually a pretty positive manner the after effects which many times will cause me anxiety maybe even a little bit of depression, um, paranoia, things of that nature. Well, today, it actually made me extremely angry, and it gave me a feeling that I haven't had in a very long time. And that feeling of anger, and for those of you who have bipolar disorder, the feeling of anger that we sometimes experience is not your typical anger that just an angry person would feel, you know, when they get angry and... Um, you know, a lot of times people can actually control it for that matter. You know, it's like this internal emotion, and sometimes we let it out and we express our anger. 
Um, some, you know, if you are quote-unquote normal, you might yell. Um, you might speak your mind. You might pout a little bit. But those of us with bipolar disorder, well, at least for me, we get this overwhelming desire to want to kill everybody that we come into contact with. Everything annoys us. Everything makes us angry. Everything makes us want to lash out. Um, and and today, I noticed that my anger got the best of me in so many different ways, to the point where it actually uh, it, it disturbed my cognition, my cognitive abilities. You know, my wife had asked me to print out some documents for her that basically just had to be organized at work. It was not a big deal. They were actually reports for various students. There were quite a few, and uh, I wasn't. I was not able to do it. I was not able to do it because my bipolar disorder had taken over today. Maybe that was a direct result of the stress, or it could have been a direct result of the medication that I'm on, which I'm going to get into in a moment as well. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the lamictal. Uh, but whatever whatever the reasoning was, I had a very hard time concentrating on anything. So what did I do? I screamed, I yelled, I lashed out at my computer, I blamed IT, I blamed I blamed, blamed my desktop, and then I got angry at myself, and I started to get mean and angry towards my own, my own body, my own mind, and, um, you know, people in my office, they didn't even want to come near me. This, this continued throughout the day in which I had to travel somewhere for work today, and there was a little bit of excess traffic. And while I didn't go as far as something that I normally would have done, which is speeding up and, and tailgating, and you know, I'm past those days, guys. I really am. When you're medicated, it's amazing the, the limitations that you have on yourself because had I not been medicated, uh, several people would have been given the middle finger. Uh, I might have even rolled down a window and yelled. Uh, you know, you don't care about consequences. It wouldn't matter if somebody had a gun, a baseball bat. Uh, you know, it does not matter. You, you know, you go as far with bipolar disorder as getting out of the car in the middle of traffic to yell at somebody. Those days are over. But what I did do was every single red light that I stopped at because I was in a rush to get somewhere, I, I cursed. I cursed and I yelled. And uh, I asked God why he was doing that to me. And there was really nothing that anybody was doing other than it was just a little bit of traffic. You know, I left a little late. I was kind of headed towards rush hour time here in Mr. Joe's neighborhood. And I was angry. So what made me angry? Well, unfortunately, the reemergence of my ex-wife, and I'm going to get into that story in a, in a brief second, before before I do anything, though, I want to talk about my lamictal. And, uh, you know, as, as much as I have praised this medication, and, and I will continue to do so, because I do believe in my heart that the pros have outweighed the cons, and not just a little bit, by a great, great deal. So I want to make that perfectly clear. But what I have noticed is that any time I go through an increase in this medication, the side effects are not pleasant. And usually it's just a matter of a headache, 
which I have a, a tremendous headache right now. And it, it's almost like you could kind of feel when it's a lamictal headache and when it's a stress headache and when it's just a, an allergy headache. You kind of know if you're on lamictal and you get those headaches, you know what a lamictal headache feels like. And unfortunately, I have that one right now. It almost prevented me from doing a podcast, but I, I, I thought it was important tonight to engage in my talk therapy and make sure that my audience got some of Mr. Joe tonight because we have to be a team. We need each other. Uh, if you do anything closely, remotely close to what I do uh, in terms of listening to podcasts and, and allowing it to be your get-through kind of thing, then I need to be here for you guys. And I need to be here for myself by presenting what I present because it helps me. Um, so here's the first thing that I've noticed ever since my increase, which was only on Friday, and I went up to 150 milligrams. I will tell you this, besides the headache, it gave me uh, a lot of anxiety upon my second dose of the day. First dose, I didn't really feel anything. Second dose, by nighttime, it gave me a tremendous amount of anxiety on Friday night, and I had yet to experience that with Lamictal. As a matter of fact, I haven't experienced anxiety in a very long time. So that, that happened, and then, you know, Saturday was day number two on 150 milligrams, and something that really frightened me, everybody, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful to God that it never turned out to be anything. is, And if it was something, it, it stopped dead in its tracks because my body quickly adjusted to it. But I started to develop a rash. Started to develop a rash. And the rash, uh, I'm actually looking at it right now. And it's about six to seven inches above my ankle, the inside ankle part on my leg, directly above the ankle, about six or seven inches directly above. And it is no doubt in my mind, or at least it looks like from what I looked up online, looks exactly like the Stephen Johnson's rash that, that accompanies Lamictal. And, uh, you know, the thing is, for those of you who are not aware, the rash is extremely dangerous. It could be deadly. Uh, it has not spread in any way that I saw online. And from what I understand, there are supposed to be some vague symptoms that take place before you actually in, 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 in the rash actually comes out, which I did not feel at all. And those symptoms are more or less relatable to the flu. You kind of feel a little feverish, maybe some aches and pains, might even develop a cough. Uh, again, feels like a little bit of the flu is coming on to the point where I would imagine that some people might even miss it and because it's temporary. And then a few days after that, that's when you might start to get some sores on your mouth, sores around your nose, and... And eventually, what it ends up doing is turning into a, a rash, a rash that apparently, from what I've investigated and researched, does not typically uh, itch. And this rash that I had had a slight itch to it. So maybe it is, maybe it isn't, maybe it just stopped dead in its tracks. But that was, aside from the anxiety that I experienced on Friday, something that took place on Saturday... And then what also took place on Saturday is I had an over, 
overwhelming feeling of depression. It didn't stop me from functioning. Uh, it didn't didn't stop me from doing what I needed to do. It didn't stop me from taking care of my children. I didn't lay in bed. I didn't engage in any of those depressive things, but I was clearly depressed. Um, I had, uh, the, the better way to describe it, maybe depression wasn't the word, because I wasn't necessarily uh, down and out, so to speak. Here is how I could sum it up. I had this overwhelming urge to cry. And for those of you who have bipolar disorder, or depression for that matter, you know exactly what I'm referring to. And that lasted um, well into the evening, probably until about 10 o'clock at night. Now, uh, before I go on, here's the, here's the good news. Feeling's gone, everybody, other than the headache. It, it's, it, it had passed Saturday uh, into Sunday. Uh, things got increasingly better. By Sunday, it had kind of gone away. So I relate this to the increase in my dosage, and I do think that sometimes when we go up in medication or adjust our medication, I believe it has an effect on our chemicals. Sometimes they're not positive for the moment. Sometimes they stay that way, and we have to monitor that. We, you know, That's one of the things that we have to be careful about. Had I stayed in that depression, and it turned into something even worse, which is why a lot of these medications will offer, pretty much all of them will offer the warning that if you become suicidal, to call your doctor immediately. Now, I never got to that point, but I could see had that depression or that feeling to cry continuously gotten worse each day, you know, that's what ends up happening. But nevertheless, Sunday was a good day until the stressor that ultimately caused my anger today ended up doing what it did, and that happened to be my ex-wife. Now, let's backtrack to Saturday once again. My 14-year-old daughter, she had asked me if I could drive her to her friend's home. And I, uh, I said yes. Now, although her friend lives about 40 minutes away, because Mr. Joe's neighborhood is very far from where my kids live with their mother. So now, my ex-wife and I, we have a uh, agreement in our divorce decree that actually was set forward by the judge, not even me. Uh, the judge had, had, had the feeling, or at least came to the conclusion, that my ex-wife during the divorce was actually acting very immature, uh, very, very unfair, and the judge put an order in that my ex-wife and I were to share driving responsibilities, which I think is fair. One person is supposed to pick up and the other person is supposed to drop off. And what really made the judge angry was that my ex-wife would force me to come pick the children up on a Friday, although my son, Junior, would have soccer in my ex-wife's neighborhood I would then have to drive all the way back to my ex-wife's neighborhood on Sunday, even though I had picked them up on Friday, then drive my two poor children all the way back home to Mr. Joe's neighborhood, and then my ex-wife would come pick them up. So the judge said, this is insane. You know, during soccer season, you need to drive them to him on Friday, 
and he will drive them home on Sunday because it's not fair to the kids either. And she actually put up a fight for this. So she lost that battle. And it's very important that we follow the divorce decree. Because if I don't, things get out of hand with my ex-wife. She will, you know, I am responsible for 66% of the extra expenses on top of the child support that I pay. That includes medical coverage. That includes religious instructions, any kind of sports. And I'm okay with that. But... You know, there are certain things that are included in child support, and my ex-wife has gone as far as providing fake receipts that I've caught her with. She's gone as far as every single month. She will hit me up with it in an expense that is supposed to be included in child support and makes me uncomfortable every time that I have to write her out a check because I have to put a little note along with it and say this is included and you know that. So she's done some horrible things. But anyway picked up my children on Friday. Now, my ex-wife, keep in mind, is supposed to come get them on Sunday. But because my daughter very rarely asks me to do anything, even though I drove on Friday, Saturday came, she said, I want to go to my friend's house. And I said, okay, uh, Sarah Lee. I said, you know, get in the car. Let's go. I said, you know, uh, what what are your plans later? Because now at this point, I'm thinking, my goodness, I'm going to drive to and from on Friday, now drive to and from again to drop my daughter off, and is she going to ask me to come get her later and drive to and from again? Well, she asked to sleep out, so I said, okay, (laughs) that'll minimize my driving and the mileage that I have to put on my car. Uh, And and again, my daughter is with me every weekend, so it doesn't upset me. It doesn't bother me. She's 14 years old. She wants to hang out with her friends, and I understand that. Nevertheless, I had to make sure I got permission from her mother, which we did, and, you know, meaning that Sunday... This friend of my daughter's lives about, and I might be pushing it when I say this, between 35 and 40 seconds away from my ex-wife's house. So the drive is not one that would put her out of her way. She literally had to get in her car and drive down the block. So, she, of course, she agreed to it. You know, she would have to come get Junior from my house and then go pick up my daughter on the way home uh, from her friend's house, and then they would be home within 35 seconds. But on the way to drop off... Uh, Sarah Lee at her friend's house I get a phone call from my ex-wife frantic and she goes on to tell me even though I don't want to hear any of this the home of the mortgage that is in my name that she still lives in that she has defaulted on four or five times in the last five years that I now put a second modification in place for her even though the divorce decree states that the home is to be sold as per my ex-wife's request. (laughs) The home has still not been sold because I achieved the modification for her to keep my children in their school district during the week. She failed that modification because she did not pay it, and I was still able to get her another one based on my financial information. So now she's currently in the process of trying to secure that mortgage in my name with the promise that she will take it over in one year. God willing, that happens. But I don't want to know about anything that goes on in that house. Forget about the fact that the crazy woman that she is, uh, I had told her for years and years as I would pick up the children, I would say, you see that little hole in the roof? I said, you need to cover that up with something. I said, get a little step stool and cover it up. And every time I went there, I wanted to do it. But, you know, I just couldn't. I couldn't continue to enable this woman. She has a boyfriend. And I kept telling them, for years, I would say, something bad is going to happen. 
and she never listened. And again, it guys, when I tell you, you could have taken just about a, a two-inch piece of wood, hit, it, took a nam, hammer, nailed it in, it would have been done and over with. And you know, some may say I'm selfish because. I didn't do it, but for years I ran to that house and bailed that woman out and saved her. And, you know, my, my wife, my current wife now, I hate to refer to her as my current wife. It makes me very sad because she is my wife. But she dealt with that for so many years. And after a while, when you get treated like garbage for so long, um, and, and that is what my ex-wife has done to my wife. And for years, she has treated her like garbage. She actually made fake Facebook accounts about her. Immature stuff. And this woman is 43 years old, uh, a year older than me, and she made fake accounts about her and posted pictures, uh, things you couldn't even imagine. So after a while, my wife got tired, and she's like, don't help her out anymore. So I would tell her about this hole. She didn't listen to me, and what ended up happening, of course, was a bird got inside, ended up going through the walls and actually pecked its beak through the wall and got in through the house and flew all throughout the entire house, okay? So, <laughs> please, all right? That's, that's, don't even get me going with that one. So, anyway, I don't want to know anything anymore because also in the divorce decree, it's stated that she is responsible for all things that go wrong in that house. She calls me up and she tells me that she had a major flood. It took about an hour to get the water to stop running because she had no idea where the main shutoff valve was and she had to call one of Junior's friends, dads, over and it took him an hour to get there and the water ran and ran and ran. It ends up that she had a leak from the dishwasher line to the main sink she had recognized the leak in the basement as she saw little drips of water coming through. She followed the leak to the sink and saw that it was the hose from the dishwasher to the sink, and she decided to tie it up with Teflon tape and then put the dishwasher on. So Miss Genius ended up flooding the house, causing an extensive amount of damage. But her question to me was, is the cable modem and the internet and all those things and the phone line, is that in the basement because the power had to be shut down in the basement along with the boiler? And I have no home phone now is what she told me, so I wanted to know if everything is down there. Well, just for the record, everything is right out in the open. I hooked it up. You know, it's right there, the cable modem. I don't know if that was her way of letting me know that she had a disaster there um, because it was seemed like such an absurd, ridiculous question. And, uh, you know, I told her, I, I don't yell, I don't scream, I don't even say to her, you shouldn't be calling me. I just answer her questions, and that's it. And that's that. So then Sunday, I get a text message about 6 in the morning from her saying, are you up? And I said, yeah, I'm up at every day at 5 a.m. Then all of a sudden, boom, 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 messages start coming through of all pictures of, of the house with, you know, tarps and fans and, and the damage and... I said, you know, I don't know what this woman is sending this to me for, but, you know, my wife is there for everything, and we're looking at the pictures, and we're saying, man, I don't know how this happened. Um, but nevertheless, uh, it, it happened because, God forgive me, and please, my podcast audience, please excuse me, but she's a complete idiot. That's how it happened. Uh, but 
she goes on to ask me about a friend of mine who happens to be a contractor, and she says, you know, hopefully if you could call your friend, he could work with the deductible and the insurance, so what do I do? I call my friend. He tells me to tell her to call her, and then before you know it, they got it all hooked up, ready to go. So uh, one of the delusions that I used to have that I've now been since medicated and I no longer think these things is for a very long time I used to think when I would make a prediction about something I had superpowers. Every once in a while when I'm in a manic state of mind and psychosis has set in, I still feel that way. Um, and, but I think I've come a long way in the fact that I could actually describe it and talk about it on a podcast and know that it's absurd. The problem is, when I get into my mania modes, my wife tells me that I don't recognize the difference. That's the information that she's given me. But my goodness, if I was somebody who knew the future, I could have predicted this. I said to my wife, I guarantee you that this woman calls me and asks me to drive Joe Jr. home. And sure as anything, after I, I, I get her the, my friend and all that stuff, I get a text message from her, and she asks me to drive Junior home. So my wife looks at me, and she goes, you do what you want, but my goodness, you know, what is she doing? Uh, and the God's honest truth is, what was she doing? You know, I mean, I know, you know, nothing, it was all over at this point. She had told me it was all over, that there was nothing that she could do for three days. So I wrote a text back, and I said, I'm going to do it. I said, I am going to do it for you this time, but I want you to know that there have been many times that I needed to ask you for a favor, and I never chose to do so because you treat me and my wife like such garbage. But I'm going to do it, and I hope that you remember this for the next time that I need a favor. Well, from that point on, my ex-wife went on to text me for the next two and a half hours after I continuously told her, please stop texting me, I no longer want to hear from you, or I'm calling the police. She didn't care. She kept going. And here are some of the text messages she sent me. Here's what got me upset, by the way. When I, after I told my ex-wife this, she said, I don't know what the big deal is. I drove Sarah Lee to her friends today. I said, and that's four separate trips. I said, so it is a big deal. I said, you complain about driving, you know, 30 seconds away. I, I didn't say that to her, but I said that in my head. And she turns to me and she says, you should tell your daughter no and help me next time. <laughs> and I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, hold on a second. Hold the phone here. I said, listen to me. You are not my wife anymore, and I don't need to do you favors, and I certainly don't need to do you favors by hurting my children like you're asking me to do. This is a woman that I was this close to calling an agency on her for child abuse and neglect, and I'll get into that another time, but she called my daughter the C word on Christmas Day and beat her up, and I would have called CPS on her had I not spoken to the both of them and ensured that my daughter was safe and that it was kind of both their faults. But, you know, I'm getting to the point now where her mental stability is so out of whack that I no longer trust in the fact that she is stable 
and I don't know if she is neglecting them, but if something happens again, I'm going to be calling. Nevertheless, after I had said that, I said, guess what? Now I'm not doing you a favor because I am not listening to you belittle our daughter again. So from that point on, for two and a half hours, I got such texts as the following, and bear with me because this is something that I wrote out. Uh, okay, so you need to say no to her. I already told you that one. I do 28 days a month, and you do two days. What the F? I'm not going to curse here, okay? Now, I don't even know what she's talking about. I do two days because my children are with me four, four weekends out of the month, so I don't know how that makes sense. And they're with me every single holiday and vacation, so I don't even know what she's talking about. So now here she goes on to talk about my wife. Sorry you put yourself in a position where you can't do a goddamn thing for your kids without interference and nagging from her. I'm raising your kids. Please keep her boyfriend out of your mouth. Um, because I had told her at one point, please ask your boyfriend to drive here and pick up our son or, draw, or, or you know, whatever you have to do, have him take care of it, ask him for help. She says he does more than, for us than you could ever imagine. He's a better father than you to them. I mean, things. And my, my children tell me that they haven't seen the man in six months. Uh, but that's besides the point. Then she goes on to tell me, my daughter will never be an addict like you or a slut with no respect for herself like your wife. Uh, she tells me that my wife is so threatened by me, it's pathetic. You're a sick, sick situation. Dude, grow some and I could say this word, balls. Who's more pathetic, you or her? I'm not sure. Ew. Gross, S-H-I-T. Two days a month you drive. You were supposed to do that drive two days, each two times each day, <laughs> which was indicating that I should have still been married to her and been driving back and forth to work. Uh, I don't even want Junior and Sarah Lee there anymore. You are so dysfunctional in every way. And then she goes on to say, I'm not coming there. Now, the big question is, is she going to come or not? Well, just wait. Um, you do SHIT for your two kids. These are your kids. Two days a month, you cry like a, I could say this word too, bitch every time. I can't get there. I have to get our daughter, who is supposed to be with you. <laughs> Keep in mind, I told you earlier that she agreed that this was okay. Then she goes on to say, you know what? You figure out this mess. I'm taking the advice I should have a long time ago. That was in regards to the house. Meanwhile, I have a divorce decree that indicates I am not responsible for any of that. Let the effing child handle something for once in his life. I do more in a day than you do in a year. It goes on and on and on. I'm not going to bore you guys anymore. But the ultimate story here is she refused to come get my son. And every time I would text her back, I would get that Bluetooth message that she was driving. So she clearly was not home. She was driving around. In the two hours that she decided to text me and harass me, she could have been here four, four or five times. Um, I later on found out from my daughter that she was sitting home the entire time. She just didn't want to come here. I told her she was violating the agreement. She said she didn't care. Um, and, you know, she just didn't want to come. And then the worst part of all is when I sent Sarah Lee to her friend, she had left her school bag here. She does her schoolwork over the weekends with me. And I told my daughter, I said, listen, I'm taking your brother to school tomorrow. He's sleeping over. 
Um, he wants to be here, and I'm not driving there. I'm going to take him to school. And my daughter started hysterical crying that her school bag was here and that she had homework. I said, well, I said, you're going to have to tell your mom to get here like she's supposed to do. So now my heart is absolutely breaking, as you can imagine. And, uh, you know, just absolutely breaking. But I had to stay strong here, everybody. I did because this was not right. Eight o'clock comes, and I called my daughter to check on her, and she tells me now that she's not going to school the next day, that my ex-wife is insisting that she sits home and stays alone and doesn't go to school because I am not driving to pick up your brother. So what does Mr. Joe do? He gets in the car, he takes his daughter's books to the house and drives my son home. So I ended up doing it because that's what Mr. Joe does. And, you know, it's so anyway, this is not an exaggeration, everybody. I do believe that my ex-wife does have a mental illness. I'm not sure exactly what it was, what it is. You know, and this is not, you know, as, as divorced men, sometimes we say, oh, she's crazy. And, you know, this is, it, it's happened on way too many occasions. And unfortunately, I had to write a very detailed letter to her, an email today. And I'm not going to bore you with that one either. But I did express to her that ha should she call me again for any other reasons other than providing me with my tax return money that she owes me because she violated that divorce decree agreement as well. I'm supposed to claim one kid, and she's supposed to claim one kid, and she claimed them both two years in a row. So until she gives, she will be giving me my money by mail. I told her that's the only way she's allowed to communicate with me. Or if our children obviously are hurt, sick, or something's wrong, I would like to hear from her. Other than that, she's being told once again for the last time, should she communicate with me, I will contact my attorney. I will report her violations of the divorce decree. And I will be contacting the authorities to have her arrested for harassment. You know, that's one of the things you need to understand, everybody. When you tell somebody to stop calling you or bothering you and they don't comply with that request, it is harassment. Um, and it's it's been going on for some time. Right before I went to a very big doctor's appointment, she did this stuff. She was not happy with the price of the modification that was given to her, not by me, by the company. And she decided to call me and tell me I was an addict and a loser, and I put her in a position that she can't afford anything. I ruined her life. I ruined her kids' lives. And, you know, this is a divorce. I didn't want it to be this way in my life. Not that I want to be with my ex-wife, but nobody wants to live a life with a divorce. You, you want to be happily married forever. And now I found that person. I've joined the statistical group of people that are divorced, and I'm sorry. Half of it was my fault. Maybe even 70% of it was my fault. I don't know, but I know that she's not without fault. And I know that she wanted it just as bad as me, and it was an uncontested divorce. It wasn't easy because she turned it into a contest, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and uh, thank goodness the judge, you know, judges... They will side with men when they feel that the man is right. I didn't really have to do anything. I didn't have to fight it. I didn't have to go to trial. The judge just kind of decided on her own that uh, there were certain things that I deserved as a man, and I got them. So that's that. And it's, it's a darn shame. It really is. Uh, one of the other things that I noticed that ended up happening to me today was based on 
I, I guess the the overhaul of feelings that I received, other than the anger, what I started to notice was that I became engaged in some obsessions and compulsions. And that's really what I wanted to concentrate on this podcast with. And I don't want to drag this podcast out for too long, but I just wanted to talk about obsession and compulsion and, and help everybody to understand that a lot of times we use that word OCD very loosely. Oh, I'm OCD about it. And, you know, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's a common phrase and people misunderstand it sometimes, but what you need to understand is both those terms, they more or less involve a disorder. And some people have an impression almost that, that both obsessions and compulsions are exactly alike, and they're actually not alike at all. They're both mental disorders, but an obsession is something that refers to the repetitive ideas in your brain or the impulses in your mind. Uh, how do I explain this? Uh, most of the time, the ideas and the impulses in your mind, they involve a desire that is basically waiting to be satisfied, if that makes sense. And most of the times they're unwanted, I have to tell you that. Uh, most of those ideas, those impulses are unwanted, and they make that person somewhat unbalanced, if that makes sense. They're persistent. They really get to you. Uh, sometimes I know me, you know, that obsession that is in my mind, Sometimes I don't want to even think about it, but it just keeps popping up into my mind. I'll give you an example. An obsession for me is that I am always, no matter what the situation, no matter how early, no matter how ready, quote-unquote ready I might be, I am always going to be late for wherever I have to go. doesn't matter. doesn't matter if I'm two hours early. I'm going to be late. And I don't even think of the circumstances that are going to make me late. Sometimes I do. That catastrophe, catastrophe, you know, I don't know how to pronounce the word, so I'm not going to. But when we make up catastrophes in our mind, I'll think there's accidents, there's red lights. There's a, so, so I have that in the midst of all of this obsessing over being late. So what is the compulsion? For me, it's actually sometimes counting steps and counting until I get to the place that I have to. And I believe in my mind that if I can count and get to where I have to get before I reach a certain number, then I'll be on time, uh, if, that, if that makes sense. So the idea still occurs when you have obsessions, and what you do is you end up feeding that obsession sometimes with the compulsion, and that is where they differ. Uh, you know, on the other hand, a compulsion, even though it's also a mental disorder, it's an action rather than in the person's mind. You know, like I said, obsessions, they'll involve impulses or ideas, and a compulsion involves basically the complete opposite, the actions or uh, repeating a particular action that you're fixated on, if that makes sense. It actually can sometimes become a ritual. For me, that counting... That used to be a ritual no matter what. I would do it no matter where I walked, no matter where I had to be, and that was has somewhat subsided, which I'm very thankful for. Um, you know, but again, it becomes repetitive, becomes a ritual. Uh, 
Uh, the best way that I could describe what the compulsion would be, and this is a very common one, think of the obsession that somebody just always feels like they're dirty. That they 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 they're always infested with germs, no matter what, no matter what, how clean you might be. Your obsession is: I am filthy, I am dirty, I got germs all over me. So, what is the compulsion? Well, that person washes their hands over and over again, and even though sometimes they may refuse to even think about the obsession. Uh, the person can't stop thinking, and it keeps coming back. It's it, it's it's a complicated thing. It really is. Um, I mean, I guess you could say a compulsion would almost be compared to a machine that it's programmed to do the same thing over and over again. We're like machines programmed to do the same thing over and over again. Um, so really, an obsession could actually result in a compulsion. So that's where you get the whole the whole idea of OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. A person who is fixated by an action would definitely have obsession, if it may, if it if it makes sense. So, for example, a person who has a compulsion of hand washing might be obsessed with being clean. The complete opposite of what I just said. One feeds off the other. Just try to remember that the obsession part is the part that is in the mind and the compulsion part is the part that actually involves the action. Another thing to keep in mind, and hopefully you can remember this, an obsession involves persistent ideas, if that makes sense, while the compulsion involves ongoing and persistent actions, if that makes any kind of sense. The person uh, like myself or like those of you who might suffer from OCD with an obsession would be comparable, I guess, I don't know, um, I don't know, a broken record. <laughs> you know, for those of you, you probably, none of you out there know what a record is. <laughs> An LP, uh, depends on your age. Um, whereas... And when I say that, I mean like the broken record, just saying the same thing over and over again. You know, the scratch on the record. It's it's in your mind, okay? It's not you. It's not you causing the record to skip around. The record is just skipping, and in your mind is that obsession. But on the other hand, a compulsion is comparable to the machine, like I said before, that's programmed to do the same thing over and over again. A machine takes an action. And a machine will do over and over again. So I hope that makes a little bit of sense. Now, I found an absolutely awesome site. And it's called www.iocdf.org. And it's actually the International uh, Foundation of OCD, believe it or not. And, you know, this is one of those sites that if you go to, you're going to find some really great information. I'm actually on there right now. And when you go to the settings button, you could, they're amazing. Uh, it talks about, well, let's just see who we are, actually, just so I can give you the exact. It's the International OCD Foundation. That's exactly what it's called, uh, just so I could correct myself. International OCD Foundation. And when you go to the settings, I just look up top, OCD and kids, hoarding, 
BDD, who we are, how we help. I mean, great, great stuff. And I know I don't read a lot to you guys, but I thought this was, when I looked this up before, because I was trying to come up with the best way to describe it, and I really couldn't find anything without reading you technical information. So I just started to uh, give you some of my own, decided to give you one of my own obsessions, which was the obsession about being late, and then the compulsion of counting. Uh, I, I have rituals as well, just so everybody understands, and I guess you can call them. Uh, I, I, well, here's the compulsion. Okay, and remember, the compulsion, I'm sorry, the obsession is that, and, and some people might also call it delusional. I don't know why I feel this way, but sometimes if I see a mess or things that are out of order, I feel as if it's going to disturb my life. I don't know how else to explain it. it makes me paranoid, makes me scared, makes me anxious. And I don't know what the end result would be. So maybe that is what leaves me a little bit different from the person that just likes, uh, obsesses over cleanliness. I just, the, the overall feeling is not a good one. So what is the compulsion? The compulsion is I clean. I clean to a point where everything is straight, everything is neat, everything is in line. If I'm in a car driving, uh, I say to myself from a re ritualistic point of view that this car will be contaminated if if there are crumbs or little lint pieces on the seat and I have to pick them off. So these are things that unfortunately have not gotten a whole lot better even with the medication, but I'm working on them. So when I went to this website, I thought it was important. Like I said, I don't read a lot to anybody, but I wanted to see if I could find some common obsessions in obsessive-compulsive disorder. So again, these are the obsessions. These are the thoughts, not the actions. And they break them into categories. They talk about contamination, body fluids, germs, disease, example, herpes. My God, did I have that. Uh, back in the day, going back to when I was 19, 20 years old, I was obsessed with the fact that I had a sexually transmitted disease. And what did I do? My compulsion was I went to a damn doctor every week on the week. And I got myself checked out. Okay? To the point, and I'm actually embarrassed to say this, one of the most disturbing, horrible things in my life was I had a Q-tip stuck inside my penis... And it was the worst feeling that I ever had in my life. And obviously it all came back normal. But I got myself so sick that I actually caused a urinary tract infection, which a lot of times men don't do. But from stress and pressure and uh, just thinking I constantly had an STD uh, or HIV really was what I thought. HIV was big when I was 19 years old and I was convinced that I had it. I was obsessed with what I had, it, so my compulsion was going to the doctor. Uh, some people have uh, worry about or you know, common obsessions about environmental contaminants, asbestos, things of that. I would imagine that they're referring to household chemicals, cleaners, uh, solvents, and then dirt in general. Some people, they break it up into unwanted sexual thoughts as obsessions. Forbidden or perverse sexual thoughts or images, forbidden or perverse sexual impulses about others, obsessions about homosexuality, sexual obsessions that involve children or incest, 
and obsessions about aggressive sexual behavior towards others. We can sit here and say, and many of us do, my good God, how disgusting, how could a person ever be like that? The person is sick. That's the unfortunate thing, and that's what we need to understand. Does it make it right? No, does it make it right? Doesn't make it right either that I scratch my arms and bang my head, curse and yell and scream at my wife and call her names. Doesn't make that right either. But we are sick people. Some people have obsessions about losing control, fear of acting on an impulse to harm oneself, fear of acting on an impulse to harm others, fear of violent or horrific images in one's mind. Fear of blurting out obscenities or insults or feel of fear of stealing things. Now, I have all of those things, but I don't believe they are to be an obsession, because why are they not? They are not repetitive thoughts in my mind. They come and they go. So they cannot be considered an obsession. Uh, some other ones that are interesting are harm. Fear of being responsible for something terrible happening. Uh, they give the example of a fire or a burglary, fear of harming others because of not being careful enough. For an example, dropping something on the ground that might cause someone to slip and hurt. These are all obsessions. Obsessions related to perfectionism. Perfectionism, sorry. Concern about evenness or exactness. Concern with a need to know or remember. Fear of losing or forgetting important information when throwing something out. I'll tell you one thing. That is beginning to become one of mine, and i got to get that in, under control. I don't know if I can, though. That's the problem. We say we want to get it under control, but we can't, and that's what makes it an obsession. Another one that has to do with uh, relationships to perfectionism, perfection, perfectionism, perfectionism, <laughs> ability to decide whether to keep or to discard things. My goodness, this is starting to scare me. Or fear of losing things. Wow. Uh, be aware, guys. Be aware like I am starting to be aware. Religious obsessions. Concern with offending God or concern about blasphemy. Excessive concern with right or wrong or morality. And then other obsessions, they list a separate category. Concern with getting a physical illness or disease, not by contamination. For example, cancer. Uh, then another one, they say superstitious ideas about lucky or unlucky certain numbers and colors. I don't know if you want to call my 820. I don't even want to say it. I, don't, I won't even say it in time format because it makes me so paranoid. But what I just said in the matter of time, p.m. or a.m., I am convinced that somebody is watching me through my cable box through the clocks, through all the clocks. I'm convinced it's somebody at work. Nobody can tell me any different. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I have my reasons as to why. Is it an obsession? Um, I guess it would turn into one when you start to compulse by turning away or covering your face with your shirt. Okay? That is my compulsion to feed my obsession. Very sad, very sad. We are sick people, everybody, unfortunately. We are sick people. That's why we need to get medicated. And hopefully this medication will help some of this, and if not, I'm going to have to look into something else. So common compulsions, they list those as well. Washing and cleaning, washing your hands excessively. We all know about that one, everybody. Ex 
excessive showering, bathing, toothbrushing, grooming, cleaning household items or other objects, doing other things to prevent or remove contact with contaminants. Checking, here's a big one. Checking that you did not, will not harm others. Checking that you did or will not harm yourself. Checking that nothing terrible happened. Checking that you did not make a mistake. And checking some part of your physical condition or body. Repeating, rereading or rewriting, repeating routine activities. Examples, going in and out of doors, getting up and down from chairs. Repeating body movements, tapping, touching, blinking, repeating activities in multiples. Example, doing a task three times because three is good, right, safe, and it's a right number. Uh, wow, man, it's starting to get scarier and scarier as I start to think of these things. Uh, my goodness, I mean, there are times where I repeat multiples. Uh, it's just, it's unbelievable that that sometimes we don't even realize that we're doing these things. It's very scary. Some mental compulsions, they list. Mental review of events to prevent harm. Playing, praying to prevent harm. Others to, uh, sorry, praying to prevent harm to oneself or others to prevent terrible consequences. Counting. Whoa, there we go. Counting while performing a task to end on a good, right, or safe note <laughs> or a safe number. Uh, mine was usually a hundred, and I would go back, and I would do it again. It's it's just wild. It was you know if I didn't make it in a hundred, I would widen my steps. I would step a little bit closer together. Uh, it's just crazy what we would do to make sure that I reached that hundred mark. Uh, I don't have a real number in in my brain anymore. What I do now is I estimate the number of times that it takes for me to get somewhere in terms of steps. And if I don't get there in that particular amount of time, I will start over, and I will make sure that I do by rearranging my steps. And how idiotic is this now that I think about it? Because it probably makes me late when I do these things. Uh, they also list other compulsions, putting things in order or arranging things until it feels right. That is me. Oh, my goodness. I do it over and over with the dishwasher, and I don't know when it feels right, but eventually it does, depending on which way the plates are facing. Now, the interesting thing is, what obsession am I feeding here? Well, I think I'm feeding the fact that the dishes are not going to get cleaned. Every time I open that dishwasher and close that door, I am convinced that the utensils the dishes, the bottles for Mickey, they're going to be germed, they're going to be filthy. No matter how strong the dishwasher is, it's not going to get cleaned. That is my obsession, and my compulsion is to rearrange those dishes, sometimes up until five, six, seven times in a row. I'll take them out, put them in, take them out, put them in, change the bottom, change the top, and it's very sad. Telling or asking other, telling, telling, asking or confessing to get reassurance, avoiding situations that might trigger your obsessions. So that's what they list as other compulsions. Again, www.iocdf.org. It is great if you want to look into a little bit more information. We went kind of long tonight, everybody. We're almost 56 minutes here. I am 
very sorry that I shared such a very long story about my life, but I thought it was important. I know you guys are like a family to me, so when I when I have things that go on in my life, I believe in my heart that you want to hear about it, uh, whether you compare it to your own stuff or whether you could sympathize or empathize, whatever the word may be, or whether you just like enjoy listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. I hope I'm not boring. I would hope that uh, you're enjoying talking to me or listening to me as I talk. Mr. Joe, BP at Yahoo.com. If you want to talk, reach out, share a story. I would love to hear what you guys have to say. I'll even read it on the air. I will not give your name unless you give me your name and tell me to do so. Other than that, thank you again for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Until next time, I will see you guys soon in Mr. Joe's neighborhood. Have a great night.